Well, John, who wrote the Gospel of John, that's the book under our study, makes a remarkable statement. It's in John chapter 1, verse 17. That's the only verse we'll look at tonight, and it's enough. John said in that particular uh, text, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. I have to make it right with God, before whom we must give an account, so do you. And with all the authority possessed by the Creator, the transcendent deity, the Alpha and Omega, the one who has no beginning nor any end, he has given authority to the Son to come as an emissary of grace and truth. And it's through Jesus that we can make it right. Now you see in verse 17 of John chapter 1, a kind of a contrast between Moses and Jesus. The law is associated with Moses, grace and truth with Jesus. And you, like me, maybe could have a tendency to think uh, the law is negative. That's, that's the contrast posed here. But that's not true. I would like to prove to you that the law of God is a manifestation of his grace, just is, just as is the grace of God through the Lord, Lord Jesus. You know, the Israelites were in bondage. They were enslaved for 400 plus years. They cry out to God for deliverance. He hears their cry and sets them free. But how are enslaved people suddenly to live? You've been enslaved for centuries. You don't know how to think for yourself. Come and go. Live life. Make a go of it. You're not really a duly constituted people. The defining issue in your life is that you're enslaved. But suddenly, that which has defined you is something you're liberated from. You, you are told to go free. But how are you to live? And enter the scene, the Lord Jesus, almighty God, and he says... I care about how you live. You matter to me. And so he calls Moses up on a mountain, Mount Sinai, there to give him laws, commandments, the Ten Commandments, and many other subsidiary ones. And God says to Moses, this is all of God's grace. Go down, give this to this hitherto slave people. And the law, this will constitute them. This is their constitution. This will give them a new identity. They're not people who at random live life. Oh, no, they're people who I care about. In giving them the law, Moses, I want them to know how they live matters to me. So don't think the law is not a manifestation of God's grace. It, it really is. Just as the laws of our land are, are good things. You know, there was a study done of school children. Experts noticed that uh, on playgrounds where there was a uh, chain link uh, barrier, a fence, they felt like the kids were too confined by it. And so the experts ran an experiment. They took down this chain link fence, thinking that the kids would scatter now with this newfound freedom, you know what I mean? They'd spread their wings. But they found out to their surprise that the kids huddled together in the center of their little playground. It's as if the kids were saying, that so-called freedom scares us. The fence is a boundary set by, we think, trustworthy, concerned adults. It gives us restraint. And in setting up the fence, you are 
indirectly communicating to us, we matter to you. You care about how we live. And so God Almighty says, I care, Israel, and all about how you live. And therefore, I want to give you guidelines by which to do so. I have two dogs. Have I told you about them lately? They're my favorite topic of all time. My dogs are my favorite people, really, on earth. And I spoil them, I admit it. I pamper them, I spoil them. I told you this story. When my boys were younger, um, it was nighttime. They'd be sitting on the couch in the living room watching TV. I'd say, guys, you got to get down. It's time for your sisters to go to bed. You got to get off the couch. Uh, And my boys would say, Dad, they're just dogs. And I would say, shh, they'll hear you. And so I would put their blanket on the couch, and the boys would shake their heads and all the rest. So I spoil them like crazy. And they, they have a connection to me. They have an affection. But, it, but their response to my wife is entirely different. She's the disciplinarian. She sets bounds for them. She says, no, don't do this. And she rewards them when they're good, punishes them when they're bad. And when we return home, my wife and I, my dogs, they run to us. They run right past me, and they go to my wife. It really upsets me. Thank you for letting me share this a little bit. Because I'm the one who gives them treats when they don't deserve it. I pamper them. I get the kids off the couch so that they can go to sleep. My wife is the one who disciplines, and that's it. Even dogs are smart enough to know. You know, the person who sets bounds for us, who has laws, who has guidelines for our life, is essentially saying to us, you matter to me. I care about how you live. And so they gravitate towards her. You know, I was studying uh, on this subject and found out that the, uh, the most accurate predictor of criminal behavior is not race or income or religion. You know what it is? It's not having parents who set guidelines and uh, restrain a child's behavior. You will find out amongst those who are incarcerated today, this seems to be the common denominator in the vast majority of cases. And this is the clearest predictor of future criminal behavior, and that is a child raised without the benefit of parental restraint. The child is essentially saying, if you didn't care enough about me to say, no, don't do this, do that, then why should I take an interest in my own life. You see what I mean? So don't, don't make the law a contrast with grace. No, the law is a manifestation and evidence of God's deep concern for us. And he's telling us through it that uh, we matter to him. He cares about how we live. What if you grew up in a single parent household and uh, dad who was absent or not available? Well, uh, if you did, or even if you didn't, you may be suffering from something the experts call father hunger. Lots of us do. Uh, but the hunger could be satisfied. I'm telling you, when you allow this Jesus who came with grace and truth to embrace you, then you receive from him all manner of things, not the least of which is that his father becomes your father And there is the solution to father hunger. When we accept God the Son, Jesus, we have access to God the Father, and he's the perfect dad none of us have ever had. In fact, uh, he said this through Paul in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 8, I will be a father to you, 
and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Many lawbreakers, maybe many of the guests we'll get to meet this Saturday morning, uh, many, I, I, I'm certain, have not had the experience of a dad who cared enough to say, don't do that, do this, you matter to me, I care about how you live. And that's why I think this program, Make It Right, is such a wonderful one in a small way. It's a manifestation of the concern and grace shown to each of us by, by Almighty God. God cares about how we live, and therefore he has graciously given us the law. Not to cramp our style, no, 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 no. To help us to live life the way the giver of life intended it to be lived. So the law is good. It reveals God's uh, grace uh, in showing an interest in how we live. The law can tell me what is expected of me, <laughs> but the, the law can't give me a will to do it. That's, see, that's the deal. So the law is good, but it's very, very limited. Look, I was riding down the road not too long ago, and a guy passed me. It was a, the, it was a residential neighborhood, and he was going way too fast. He passed me by. And uh, I saw him pulled over by a police officer up ahead when I caught up to him, you know, and I was kind of feeling good about this. And uh, I don't know what conversation the police officer had with him, but this is like a non-negotiable deal. Look, there was a sign there. It said 35 miles per hour. He was exceeding. This is just an objective thing. It's not a judgment call. He was exceeding the speed limit. And so that sign was a very good thing. It defined the infraction you see what I mean? It, it convinced him he was a lawbreaker, but it did nothing, nothing whatsoever. One, to help him comply with the law, couldn't change him on the inside, and two, it did absolutely nothing, nothing, nothing with reference to the uh, consequence that would befall him. So the law is good, you see, but it's very, 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 very limited. It tells us what's expected, but gives us no power to live according to it. So Paul says in Romans chapter 3, verse 20, because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. Here's the point. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Because of that posting, uh, that law, that, 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 that uh, justifiable legal speed limit, 35, that persuaded the driver that he was a lawbreaker. You see what I mean? No discussion is necessary. And so a good and gracious God has given us the law through Moses, both to reveal his moral character and also to tell us how we are to live. But I, I break the law, and uh, therefore I find, you do too, that we need something beyond the law to change me on the inside. And a gracious God knows this. Do you think when God gave the law to Moses to give to the ancient Israelites, do you think God actually expected that they would comply with it? Do you think God was really, really surprised when they rebelled and disobeyed the law? I mean, he saw it coming, which begs the question, then why did God give them the law? Well, it was like a mirror. Uh, they, like us, overestimated their virtue. You see what I mean? At Mount Sinai, when the mountain was quaking, they said, oh God, this law you've given us, we will do, we will do. Words, mere words. And before you know it, they were violating each of the Ten Commandments right away. So God gave the law. It's like a mirror. It's held up and you, and you look into it when you see the law. And, and it reflects back who you and I are. You know what, 
the law, it's like a mirror that reveals smudges on our face, but doesn't do a thing to clean it up. I need something else other than the law, so do you, to clean up my faith. And John tells us what it is. He says, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. Look at this. The law was given, but Jesus came, and Jesus came with grace and truth. I was asking the judge, why did they choose a church to sponsor the Make It Right program? And the judge said, well, if it's a courtroom, uh, those who have outstanding warrants, who have committed minor misdemeanor offenses, things like that, they, they make an association with the court and its punishment. But in the church, they make, we want them to make a different association and, of love and forgiveness and of, and of grace. And so that's essentially what John wants us to think of when we think of Jesus. He doesn't want us to think of him as a judge, uh, with all due respect, judge, with a gavel uh, about to say guilty is charged. Uh, 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 God wants us to think of his son, the Lord Jesus, as one who stands ready to forgive. Who, who gives us a way to be right with Almighty God so we could, like our guests on Saturday, can make a fresh go of our particular uh, lives. And so the law tells us what we must do for God, but grace and truth tell us what God has done for us. Romans 8, 3, for what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Jesus paid it all so that it could be made right between me, a lawbreaker, you, a lawbreaker, and the lawgiver, almighty God. Jesus made it right with God for us. There's nothing wrong with the law given to us by God through Moses, but there are things which the law simply could not do. It can't change nor pardon lawbreakers. Only grace and truth could do that. Notice, grace and truth. You can't separate them. It's not possible to experience the grace of God unless you and I first come to believe in the truth of God. Here's the truth in just a few words. He made us to be in relationship with him. He gave us minds to think about him, hearts to love him, wills to obey him, and we've used our intellectual, emotional, and volitional capacities to move us away from God. That's called sin. It's driven a wedge between us and God. He didn't move. We moved. And then we had no way to be reconciled with God. What are we going to do? No matter how good we are, we fall short. And so God, this is part of the truth. God intervenes. Instead of having us reach up to him, our our. The extent of our reach falls far short. He reaches down to us in the form of Jesus, his son, the word who became flesh. And he says to us, uh, I sent my son to be a bridge between you. We're separated. Here you are a sinner, and here I am a holy God. I've given you the law to live by. It's a good thing, and you have stepped on it and disobeyed it and rebelled against it, and, and that's caused a gap between you and I. And I sent my son to build a bridge between you and I. On the one hand, he can hold your hand. He's the son of man. On the other hand, he holds mine. He is the son of God. 
This is truth. Grace and truth come. The apex of grace and truth is on the cross of Jesus Christ. On the cross, here's the truth. God, a righteous judge, requires a penalty for sin. That's truth. But here's grace. Jesus said, Father, I'll pay their penalty for them. Ah, the law came through Moses, was delivered by him. But grace and truth is embodied in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And to have a relationship with him is to have the capacity to make it right with God in ways nothing else can work. So God's grace and truth come together on the cross of Jesus Christ. And I'm so happy that this church has chosen, therefore, to host, as I mentioned in a small way, what will happen on Saturday, which is a reflection uh, of the uh, grace of our legal system, which I think in a small way, maybe, maybe could help people to envision, just as the DA and the constables and all these other authorities are willing to let you get off and start fresh. Can you imagine holy God doing the same? Can you imagine holy God seeing you for who you are, a lawbreaker, and saying, I'm willing to cast all of your sin behind my back, and I'm willing. Now, here's the thing the DA can't do, won't do, is unable to do, and that God does. Uh, the DA has the capacity to pronounce absolution and uh, freedom from the consequences of these uh, violations, uh, but the DA is not probably going to invite the many people who will be here on Saturday back home with her. But that's what Jesus did. When Jesus forgave us, you know what I mean? He, and the gavel went down and he said, case dismissed, acquittal, I have no case against you. I paid the penalty for you. He didn't say, now be gone. He said, now follow me. Yeah, yeah, he said, follow me. He said, come home with me. He said, I don't want you only to be absolved of the penalty of your sin. I want you to know me, and to know me is to taste eternal life. And I want to know you. I want to. With Moses, you can separate Moses from the law, but you can't separate grace and truth from Jesus. And so he says, if you want to really be right with God, if you want to make it right with God, make sure you're right with regard to your response to me. This week I had a chance to share 40 words with somebody. <laughs> 40 words. <laughs> hey, brother, last, last week, that's William right there. And William shared his experience last week. And so I said to this person, 40 words, you can count them. Let me tell you about the greatest thing that ever happened to me. It's when I realized that God was willing to forgive all my sins through the death of his son, Jesus on the cross, in my place. Jesus did everything necessary so that I could be right with an otherwise unapproachably holy God. Folks, uh, this message, these words that uh, I just pronounced and that you saw, has that come to be good news for you? Have you been made right with Almighty God through the uh, activity, the redemptive activity of the Lord Jesus Christ who is full of grace and truth? If not, uh, we want to offer you that opportunity before you leave here tonight. In the back is the connection center where wonderful people already connected with God will help you to do so as well. 
You can leave here on Saturday. Hundreds of people will leave with a fresh start. You can leave here with the ultimate fresh start, a new lease not only on this life, but also the keys to eternal life. You can leave not only as someone who's gotten off the hook. <laughs> you could leave here uh, as someone who now has a face, uh, who now has a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Folks, the law came through Moses. It's a good thing. It really persuades us we need a Savior. And here comes Jesus on the scene, full of grace and truth to be that very, very Savior. It's important. Don't leave here tonight without accepting Jesus as your personal Savior. It's all by grace. When I was a new Christian, I memorized the words to this song. Maybe you know it. Uh, grace, grace, God's grace. Grace, here's what it'll do. It'll pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace. You see, it's God's grace. It's grace that is greater than all our sin.